Hey everyone and welcome to Developer Tea. My name is Jonathan Cottrell and today I am interviewing a good friend of mine, Patrick Hill. Patrick is uh, a developer at Whiteboard with me. He also runs a podcast called M of One. Uh, that stands for Master of One. You can check it out at mofonepodcast.com. Patrick is a lot of fun to work with. He also has a lot of really cool interests outside of development, uh, so it's really fun to talk to him. I actually was on M of One podcast. Of course, you can find uh, M of One in the show notes. Uh, I hope you enjoy this interview with Patrick Hill. So I was uh, born and raised in West Philadelphia. I like to, I typically spend all my time on the court. And uh, one day there were um, kind of like a few ne'er-do-wells. And they were just obviously not up to anything good. And they started making trouble, um, you know, with, with me and my friends, like in my neighborhood. And because of that fight, my mom got really freaked out. And she told me I had to move to Bel Air with my rich uncle. And so. What about your aunt? Oh, my, with my rich aunt and uncle. So. The story so, about me. So when you pulled up to the house. Yeah, it was probably around, I don't know, seven or eight. And, uh, yeah, and I, I like, I, I don't know, called something, I yelled at the cabbie, something, I was being like a dick. This was back in the day, so it was like. What is a cab? Like the cab driver. Okay. So, because where I, was, where I was from, we called them cabbies, and I was like, yo, smell you later, and, uh. Did he think that was weird? Yeah, well, he didn't really say much, he just drove off. And then, uh, yeah, and then just, like, turned around, stared at my freaking giant house, and, uh. There I was, like the king of Bel Air, you know. Welcome, Patrick, to the show. Hey, what's up? Uh, not a lot since I saw you like two hours ago. Yeah, no kidding. This is uh, it's pretty familiar. Yeah, uh, I'm sure I mentioned this in the intro. You guys know I record those after I record the episodes. But Patrick and I, we work in the same room for oh well eight ish hours a day, depending on you know who leaves earliest. But. Sure, which is typically uh, you. But <laughs> oh, to wow. be fair, to be fair, it's because you also typically get there well before I do as well. So that's true. We have like a slightly offset eight-hour-ish workday. Yes, and then we both go home and continue coding. Typically, that absolutely we do. But I so that actually is a perfect segue into the discussion about hobbies. You guys might notice that I'm a little bit more jovial with Patrick because. Um, I have a chance to hang out with Patrick just as friends sometimes, which, <laughs> believe it or not, I actually do hang out with people just as a friend sometimes. But um, Patrick has a lot of, well, I wouldn't say a lot of hobbies, but Patrick has hobbies outside of development that he enjoys participating in, including podcasting. Um, so Patrick uh, actually had me on his podcast one time. It's called M of One or Master of One. Patrick, tell the listeners about that a little bit. Sure. Um, so specifically the Master of One podcast, it's, uh, it's me and uh, two friends of mine, and we talk about um, kind of the latest in pop culture, but it's pop culture as it pertains to the uh, design world, so illustration design, the, the vinyl toy, uh, and then game world, and then also television and film. So we're not talking about like the latest royal baby, not that type of pop culture, but it's, um, but if, if you're into like illustration, um, vinyl toys, uh, 
great movies, then then that's what it's about. And so it's a, it's a weekly podcast, and it's a little long winded compared to yours, <laughs> but um, but no, we, we, thankfully lately we've had some really awesome guests on, so it's exciting to do. Now, what if I am also interested in royal babies? Is that not a you're gonna want to you're gonna probably want to find a second podcast to also listen to in addition to the third one, which is Dev T. Maybe so. there's actually like a royal tea podcast. That would be right on point, I think. If that is one of the better puns I've ever heard you. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I only have a few opportunities I'm for so tea puns. I'm so impressed right now. Yeah. And it's totally organic, guys. We do not have a script. I promise you, we did not take the time <laughs> to prepare a script for this I can't this guarantee episode. you that he didn't take the time, but I didn't, so. <laughs> well, I can't, I can't predict anything that Patrick is going to do, uh, at least on this, on this episode. Um, so, so yeah, I, reason I ask that is because, you know, a lot of people, I think they worry a lot about balancing, you know, hobbies and their work life. And I'd be interested to know, you know, do you find yourself like mixing those two things and feeling like you need to separate them? Or do you think there's a pretty good, because we had this conversation earlier this week about how you, you know, you feel comfortable you know, kind of working at almost any time during the day. A lot of people feel like that goes directly against their, you know, ingrained rights as a human to work at night. Uh, I feel comfortable working any time of the day. Sometimes I work until 2 a.m. and sometimes I can't work past 3 p.m. And it, it really just depends on the day. But, you know, how do you find hobbies mixing into that work life balance, if you want to call it that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I have to kind of preface this by saying that I do feel somewhat lucky that I enjoy my job as much as I do. I mean, certainly there are people that are in work situations that aren't enjoyable, but I have found in my position that work has become almost sort of a kind of perpetual thing. I'm always like in a stage of work almost. Um, so, and what I mean by that is sometimes I, I, you know, it hits seven or eight o'clock at night and I really want to jump, jump on a project and start working on it. You know, I want, I want to st- get back to solving a puzzle and other times, um, you know, eight in the morning, nine in the morning or normal work hours. That's when I want to do that. So I find myself kind of working when I feel the, the most either motivation or, or when I also f- kind of feel like I'm really prepared for the process because in anything, especially with some of these like development challenges, you know, I don't feel like I can just jump in for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. I feel like I have to like carve out some time and I have to have some space and, and I have to kind of mentally feel up for it because it is a very mentally draining thing. And so I feel like to kind of segment that as I only get an eight hour shot at it and then I got to turn it off and go focus on something else. I feel like I, that that's, I'm limiting myself too much because maybe I'm only productive for four of those hours or five of those hours. Maybe that's, that's all kind of the mental capacity I have at that moment. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I get another wind a couple hours later. Okay. Well, I would rather, um, you know, I would rather wait and leverage that later and, and be productive later. I would rather split my time in half, right. Sure. Then just say, well, I did what I could cut off and go do something else. So, you know, I do have the luxury of, I say luxury, um, it's not meant to be offensive. I don't have kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't have. So, you know, I understand that my life's a little bit different. I do have a wife. Sure. And thankfully, she's very understanding. Um, but when it comes to even outside work, just balancing anything. So I, I podcast. Um, I play drums. Um, I, I'm into some outdoor sports. So obviously, like exercising. Um, and then 
and then of course work life and coding and then I, I do some freelance on top of that I think with all of those things I, I will say that I don't always enjoy enjoy them right it's not mm. I don't always code because I want to code and I don't I don't always go running because I want to go running and I don't always this is going to sound bad stay with me I don't always spend time with my wife because I want to spend time with my wife okay <laughs> like there are times that I don't want to do these things right but I have set them as priorities and I have to be very deliberate about sticking with them. Yeah. And and because I know that ultimately, like the end result of either um, growing my relationship with my wife or growing as a developer or finishing a project, I know I'm never going to, that end result I do want, but mm-hmm. I'm never going to get there unless I'm willing, even when I don't feel like it, to put in that time, right? So, so there's a little bit of a balance. So I, I say that, you know, I code when I feel like it, but I, to be fair, I don't always feel like it. You know, I still have to kind of meet, meet my minimum. But um, I would say for anybody that feels like they don't have the time or they're too busy or they're too tired, mm-hmm. I think you do. Yeah. Okay. And I think you have to be intentional about the things that you care about. So a couple of really interesting things you pointed out there. Uh, one, I guess the most direct thing that I think is important for us to understand just in life in general, this is another one of those tips that you can go and tell, you know, your non-coding friends. Uh, we are not... Our identity is not what we feel. I can't remember exactly what the, co- the quote is, but a famous philosopher said, we are not what we feel, or something very similar to that. Sure. And uh, he made the comparison to, um, you are to your feelings uh, what, what the ocean is to its waves, right? The idea being that, you know, the waves do not define whether or not the ocean exists, right? Or, uh, or the nature of the ocean, or even the temperature of the ocean in large. But rather, the waves are just something that uh, the ocean experiences. Now, this is not the metaphysical talk that I want to have on this show. Um, but, but basically, you know, we have to define these things that we want as ourselves, rather than the things that we are feeling in that moment that we want, right? right. And, and that's the whole idea of defining those priorities. Another thing that I think is interesting about what you're saying is, you know, to be a a craftsman or to be somebody who really truly does what they do with excellence, you have to be willing to understand that you can't put that into, you know, a time like you're saying a, a constricted time box. Now, I don't think that means that you can't have a routine. Sure. And and I also don't think that, you know, that means that you should abandon all priorities, right? In order to, you know, the opposite of what I mean is stay at the office for 16 hours, right? Luckily, with software development, we have the opportunity to take this stuff home with us relatively easily, right? We can sit at our kitchen uh, kitchen table instead of trying to, you know, stay in the office for for 16 hours a day. Um, so, it's it's interesting because this idea of the eight hour work week, you know, most people that you find who are really good at anything, um, they don't practice eight hours, like they don't do an eight hour day. It's it is who they are. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, I think it's a worthwhile and it may not be who you want to be um, to work all the time, you, 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 you may not want your identity to be, I am a great web developer or a great software engineer. Um, that's something for each and every person to decide on their own. But if you do truly want to be great, uh, consider what it takes to be great, 
and I think this is something that um, you also have a lot to say about this. You did a talk today at Whiteboard um, about climbing Katahdin. Yes. No, that was good. I actually had been pronouncing that wrong for several years. So you're you're already better than I am at it. It's actually really close to the word kata. Uh, so I'm, I'm mixing up the two in my brain. I did an episode on kata, and I think I re-recorded it about five times. But anyway, Katahdin. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to share a little bit about that story? Right. So I um, no, we're we are audio right now, and so people can't see me. So this <laughs> it's not gonna have the full impact. Um, I used to be a a much larger guy that I am now. Um, so I was I was a three hundred fifty pound guy. I I was a semester into my computer science major, and uh, and I you know I didn't have any money in the bank, m- much like today. <laughs> and 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 I had decided. So I decided I wanted to through hike the AT. So Katahdin refers to the mountain. It's in Baxter State Park in Millinocket, Maine. It is the northern terminus of the Appalachian Trail, which is the 2,200 mile trail that runs from Georgia to Maine. And that is for the typical northbound um, through hike. That is that is the culmination. That's the end of the hike. Okay. And I decided that I wanted to do a through hike. And I actually with with that as my goal. Uh, I was able to, within the course of three years, I uh, graduated school, I was able to save up $7,000, and I lost 100 pounds, um, which which was awesome, and, and I was able to actually go out and climb Katahdin. I didn't do hike the AT, but I did go to Katahdin, <laughs> and then I ended up going out west and having other adventures, but <laughs> but since then, it's I found myself kind of realizing that I'm not sure that I have that same level of motivation, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that if I started right now that I could lose 100 pounds. Now, to be fair, I don't have 100 pounds to lose, but still just imagining what it took, like the level of commitment and the level of dedication it took to do that. And at the time, it seemed so easy. Like at the time, it was, uh, it, w- it didn't seem challenging at all. And now I-, I can't even imagine that, much less doing all three of those things within such a short amount of time. And so what I realized is that I need to always have a Katahdin in my life. I need to have this, this big, singular, well-defined goal sitting out there that I can work towards. And given that that goal is more important than everything else going on, right? That goal was more important than eating, right? Mm. That goal was more important than spending money, okay? Um, given that... I have this big, well-defined goal, and given that is the most important thing, um, I think in that case, I, I've seen the most like individual personal progression. Mm. Interesting, and I I like this because you know it kind of flies a little bit in the face of you know the the idea of having small attainable goals that we reach for each and every day, right? Or the idea that you know if you eat healthy today, and then you do that over and over and over then you can lose 100 pounds, right? The reality is that falls apart when you don't eat healthy today, right? You you don't eat healthy today because, well, it's just today, right? Because the stakes are low, because you don't really have much to lose. But when you have Katahdin to lose, when you don't eat healthy today, that puts you one step away or one day away from Katahdin every single time you do it, right? Right. Whereas, you know, if I don't eat healthy today, well, I just failed once and I have another day tomorrow. Uh, and I think that idea seems um, a little bit more motivating, right? To have something more to lose uh, if, you, if you fail at the small parts. Uh, absolutely. And um, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And, and 
I see people do this on a smaller level. They'll do something like, well, rather than borrowing this item, I'll buy it. So that way I have money tied up into it. And now I'm more likely to use it because I have an investment, right? Mm -hmm. So like I've seen, I've heard of people doing that on like the money side of it. But um, yeah, I just love this idea of just having something that's so large that that you can't afford to fail, Mm -hmm. right? That it's, it, in that way it pulls it out. You know, the, um, and the other side of this too, if you're establishing one of these goals, um, you know, you mentioned eating and that, that really stood out to me. I, I tell people because I have experienced weight loss, uh, I tell people that, um, you know, if, if nine times out of 10, you, you fail at it. Like if you take 10 days and nine of them and you fail, uh, then you don't actually want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. You want you want the results. You want to be thin, okay? But you don't actually want to put in the work. You don't want to lose weight. If you wanted to lose weight, you would eat better. And um, and so I, I think it's very important that when you're approaching something like this, you have to realize that you can't only care about the results. You have to be you have to be up for the challenge. Mm-hmm. And so earlier we mentioned as a developer that if you want to be great in your craft, then you're going to be potentially willing to put in hours outside of your work segment. Um. And, and and I think that's true. I think that we can kind of do away do away with all these restrictions and and just realize that being better kind of trumps all of this, right? Mm-hmm. And if and and that's part of being up for the challenge and being willing to do what it takes. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to be better, and if you want to be better more than you care about, does this fall out of my eight hour workday? Then you're gonna have no problem working outside the workday. It's not gonna be a fight. Right. And if you don't, if you want to lose weight, um, and and or if you want to go climb a mountain. And if that is more important than eating food, right, and then mm-hmm. eating that bad meal, then you're not going to struggle with it. It's not going to be difficult. And, it, you know, I think you're going to progress a lot and it's going to be a lot easier than you anticipate. Yeah. And what I love about this, though, is that we're talking both about balance, right, and about mastery. So we have this idea that uh, you have this kind of overarching primary goal in your life, but you also have just naturally the time to balance things. So you have the time to have your hobbies. Uh, and so I think those can coexist. I, I don't think that what we're asking for or what the universe or <laughs> what mastery requires is necessarily breaking yourself or breaking your back all the time. I don't think it's about that. I think it's about being willing to break your back when you need to, right? And it's it's not about, you know, did I put in a 60-hour work week this week? It's about how did I progress this week? How well did I do this week? Yeah, so I completely agree. And I think you said that better than I did, which <laughs> is ultimately, you know, I have a busy schedule. You have a busy schedule. I look at what you do and I just think like, how does Jonathan, like, how does he have time to even like, you know, get a drink out of the fridge, right? Because he's always like scheduled something and always doing something. But I have a feeling that if you were to step back into evaluate your life or you're saying at the end of the week, you're not thinking, oh, my life is so difficult and so hard and it's so busy that you're just sitting there feeling fulfilled and glad that you get the opportunity to do what you do. And it just boils down to not, I have to put in so much work, but um, you get to, honestly. You get to because yeah. you, you're motivated to, to reach these higher goals. Sure. Um, and so it, it really isn't necessarily difficult. And yeah, it doesn't have to be backbreaking. And I don't right. think it is if you've established a proper, good, big goal for yourself. I don't think yeah. it is backbreaking. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because um, I've I've come into contact just by being in the podcasting world now. I've come into contact with a lot of people who their goal is to get out of their job. 
and this is really common and you know no, there's there's nothing particularly wrong with that let me first say that that i respect a lot of these people a lot i think that you know the work that they do is incredible and a lot of them have a really good reason as to why they want to get out of their job whether it's you know they want to spend time at home with their kids so they want to run a business at home on their own but the reality is I don't want to leave my job. Like a lot of people who listen to this podcast might think that eventually, you know, uh, Jonathan, any day now, he's eventually going to go full time, you know, and that's, that's just not, I, I, if anything, the opposite direction, like if this podcast were to ever come in the way of my full-time job, quite honestly, I love my full-time job, you know, and it's the thing that I'm invested in. And this, I'm not saying this because my employer has asked me to either. Like I truly enjoy the work that I do every single day. And so I think that that is a really important thing to find, right? Is the thing that you actually wouldn't want to get out of the job that you don't want to leave every single time you go there, like Monday rolls around and you actually enjoy it. And I I don't think that that's unattainable. I, I also understand that, you know, not every job is going to be that way. And, you know, if you're in a job right now where you don't feel like that's your situation, then it's it's not that you need to get up and leave your job, right? A lot of times those kinds of feelings can be fixed inwardly uh, rather than, you know, the situation of your job. It could be something inside of you that is discontent with your, you know, your personal situation, for example. Or maybe you have, you know, money management issues that make you feel like your salary is too low or something. Who knows? Who knows what it is? Or maybe truly there is a problem. So there's there's many different situations that, that could... Uh, arise there. But the point is, you know, find a a peaceful place and that will allow you to work in a way that you don't feel like you need to have a clock running every single time you sit down. And that I think is is really key to becoming a master at anything, right? Which I feel like goes back to the master of one podcast. You tied it together so nicely. It was just, it was just architected perfectly, wasn't it? <laughs> Like I said, I didn't have a script, but, you know, there's always a plan. That's good. Well, cool. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then we're going to come back and talk some more. I'm so excited to tell you about today's sponsor because there's opportunity for almost anyone with today's sponsor, and that is Hired.com. On Hired, software engineers and designers can get five or more job offers in a given week. Now, each of these offers has salary and equity built in up front, and there are both full-time and contract offers and opportunities available on Hired. Users can view the offers from over 2,500 companies of all sizes, uh, from startups to large public companies, and then they can accept or reject the offers before ever talking to any company. So there's never any obligations, and it's totally free to use. It's 100% free to use. Now, normally, if you get a job through Hired, they'll give you a $2,000 thank you bonus. But if you use the special link for Developer T uh, that will be in the show notes, Hired will double that bonus to $4,000 if you accept a job. That's Hired.com slash Developer T. Now, even if you aren't looking for a job, but you know another engineer or a designer who is, you can refer them to Hired and if they accept a job on Hired, you will get a $1,337 bonus. That is a huge opportunity pretty much for anyone. So go and check it out, Hired.com slash developer T. 
So we've been talking about uh, having a hobby, but also being able to become a master. Um, we've talked about so many different things already. What else did we talk about, Patrick? We talked about setting giant goals for yourself and time management and doing what you love. <laughs> it's really a very dense episode so yeah, far. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wide. Um, and I think uh, we, can, we can kind of shift gears to um, education because this is something that I'm, you know, this, the people who listen to this podcast are really passionate about. I'm passionate about it. One of the very earliest episodes that I did was with uh, two other guys who work at Whiteboard as well. Cody and Nick, and they're designers. We talked about uh, the value of a de- of a design degree. Now that they are in kind of the working mode, actually working at Whiteboard full time. So I'm interested to hear because you actually have a degree in computer science, and uh, this is there's a lot of you know questions about formal education versus self education. I'm really interested to hear how you feel your computer science degree both helps you and hurts you. And then maybe some of the experiences that you had in in your computer science degree that you would like, you feel like were really important to uh, maybe your personal development, but also to your job today. Absolutely. This is a very complex issue. Uh, Initially out of school, and probably for my first year out of school, I would have told you that the degree was worthless. That, um, um, you know, I, I did freelance while I was getting my degree. And, and frankly, whenever I showed people projects to get jobs, um, I was showing them freelance work. I wasn't like showing them classwork, right? And, and my classwork was very broad. I mean, everything from, I, I would say web, web development, which I do now, was the, almost the exception to the work I did. It was a very small amount. I did uh, lots of mainframe, like Assembler and COBOL and all this great greatness. And, um, you know, and of course there's, um, you know, just like, you know, software engineering classes and things like that. And, and, and so very little, actually, I I think I only actually have like six credit hours or nine credit hours that are actually web centric. And so initially I would have said, no, you don't do it. It, It's just a waste of time and money and you're better off to go take a seven week course somewhere. And, and, and I still... There's part truth to that, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's not totally true. So now the more I kind of separate from it, the more I begin to disagree with myself and, and the more I kind of realize the value of the education. And, and I've been trying to think of the best way I could explain this. And I, I like to think about it as though by going to school, um, all these dots were kind of placed uh, on a map or, or whatever. And now that I'm actually working, I get to start drawing lines between those dots. Mm. Okay. So I, yeah. I, and so I, I have context for things that I don't realize that I have context for things. Sure. And it isn't until I start talking to someone or, or I'm introduced to a new problem where suddenly I get to recall these things that, oh, wait, I did talk about this in a class. And, and at least I have a reference for this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I may still need to go um, spend, you know, hours researching and learning and, and looking. So it's, it's not like the learning process is done. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, I, but I have a dot I can connect to. And so I realize now that that, as, that has actually set me up um, to be, to be much more successful. And, and I do have much broader context than I would have had if I had just gone to school for one area. Sure. So I would say that the benefit had seemed fairly intangible, but as time progresses, I see more and more of the benefit. Mm-hmm. And to the point that 
I, I'm almost swinging the other way where I feel sure. like you actually should have formal education um, or at least you should have more in-depth education than just web centric. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very easy to think that if I want to be a front end developer, then I just need some web courses, you know? Right. And in the reality is most of my work was done in Java and sure. I, there's a lot of application. It might be a, it might be a structure and it might be um, it, you know, an algorithm or a pattern or whatever that I'm pooling. But but I'm constantly pulling stuff from that area of my education, even though, again, it is not web-centric. So, yeah. um, so in that case, I'm, you know, more and more I see the benefit of the formal education. As far as specific times that it's, <laughs> it's helped me or it's, um, it's probably a little bit more difficult to pinpoint. Um, yeah. I, so I will say that probably the, um, this is my caution with formal education. So this is, this is the other side of that coin. If I had only gone to class every day, if I had only turned in my homework and then I had left, right? And I gone home, flipped on the TV and drank some beer and whatever, uh, I would have not been successful when I tried into the job market. There's no way. Okay. Mm-hmm. The only people that are going to be successful, and this is a big statement, I'm making a broad generalization, but I believe in this, <laughs> are the people that are truly going to be successful and content are the people that put in time outside of their classwork. They're the people that when they go home, they tinker with something and they want to tear something apart. They want to, they want to build something new. For me, it was, it was freelance work. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I did, frankly, I did lots of it for free just because I needed a portfolio. But my freelance work is really where I was able to hone skills, connect enough dots mm-hmm. to where I could then be viable in a job market. Sure. So that, that, that's the other side of that coin for me. Yeah. But again, I, I am a very big proponent of formal education. So I, I would say, you know, on that point, uh, a lot of you, especially students who are, you know, possibly a, a place like Stanford or, or one of the more like challenging degree programs, you're like, how in the world could I possibly spend time outside of class and labs and, you know, homework doing anything else? And the reality of what Patrick is saying, I think, is that you have to be able to apply the knowledge that you're learning to something that has not yet been solved. In other words, some kind of project. Now, I've heard of programs that actually have these types of projects where you integrate the knowledge, and that's the point of the entire semester, for example. Uh, A lot of, I know specifically Stanford does this. A couple of other programs are really intentional about um, having, you know, semester-long uh, relatively open-ended projects that accomplish the same goal, but with structured instruction, right? So you have maybe a TA is looking over your project and they offer the opportunity for, you know, code review or things that you otherwise wouldn't have access to if you were just doing your own, uh, your own side project. Uh, I do think, especially for schools that don't have those, that what you're saying is like 100% right on, that you have to do something to integrate that knowledge to actually use it and and because the reality of computer science or programming or you know software development whatever you want to call this field is that it's practical at the end of the day right now there are some people who would say you know that programming or um you know a computer scientist versus versus a software engineer that they're two different things and you know it's kind of like a mathematician versus um uh, an engineer where the mathematician is uh, thinking more in abstract terms and the engineer is thinking in very, uh, very concrete terms. Uh, so 
all of that to say, I think the most important part, the most important takeaway there is, you know, ha- find a way to apply that knowledge and and start connecting the dots. Because if you don't start connecting it while you're at school, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to connect it when you leave school. And for people in, I mean, for people currently in a computer science program, uh, you know, I would say one of the greatest ways you can learn is to teach. Absolutely. I, I, I imagine most computer science programs out there uh, recruit people to tutor other students. I was a tutor for uh, three years, and it sounds scary. Like, you would think walking into it, like, oh, I've got to be a smart guy so I can handle this. Um, jump out and just do it, okay? Because when you're forced to repeat what you've heard, when you're, when you're forced to actually look for problems with people, and when you're, like, when you're in that environment... Um, that cemented a lot of my knowledge for me. And so that's something that potentially, you know, you can do your homework in your free time. <laughs> you're around other classmates. You're probably getting paid to do it as well. So for the people that, yeah, they don't feel like they have a lot of time outside of class, that may be a way that you can actually get involved around your classes, um, see a benefit, and still reinforce knowledge. So yeah. I, I would say any opportunity you have to teach other people what you've learned, even if you feel like it's not much, take that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, so one question that I have, you and I both have formal education. Do you think that we are biased? So initially, like I said, I, for the first year after I graduated, I, I thought I wasted my time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I'm more and more, again, seeing the benefit now, um, you know, I would like to believe I'm an unbiased person. But could a biased person say that they're unbiased? Like, I think we may have just like entered some sort of loop and we can't get out of it. Right. Um, you know, I would like to believe I'm fairly unbiased. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think there's, I, you know, I think there's, there's, I have friends right now that they're in a job. They mm-hmm. can't afford to go to school. Um, you know, where I went to school, we got Hope. And uh, that was the name of like the Georgia, whatever. And, and so like my, my tuition was paid for. Right. I was very, but I understand it's a that funding that, program, right? Yes, it was great. And so, but I understand, you know, that there are people out there that that's not the case at all, right? Mm-hmm. Just to look at the college, they know that there goes $80,000. So it goes a hundred thousand dollars and I've got to pay for it in my pocket. So I understand that there's people that, that school seems like a very impossible hurdle. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's people that, um, you know, they, they can commit this many months, but they can't commit four years or, I understand those trade-offs, and in those cases especially, I would have no hesitation in saying, you know, do a program like Treehouse, um, but I, I would almost say, after the fact, still investigate other mediums and mm-hmm. investigate other sites. I mean, this is a very broad subject range, and it's, I don't, I don't want to use the term wrong, but I, I think it's, it's not selfish, but I don't think you can just learn your one little piece of knowledge and just exclude everything else that's out there. Yeah. Because the fact is, what we do, even though it, it feels very focused, it has to play with a lot of other systems and a lot of different types of people use it. And and I, I think you just have to have knowledge beyond your own to be effective. It, mm-hmm. And again, even if it's just a small level of context or reference, uh, I don't think you're going to do the best work uh, unless you kinda, you're kind of you're you're extending your reach beyond your immediate vision. Sure. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier about uh, connecting the dots and about, you know, not seeing how something is relevant until, you know, significantly later. Uh, And I think that the same is true with, you know, cross training, if you want to call it that, but looking at other uh, fields. So, you know, I, I took physics in high school and I happened to actually have a really good 
<laughs> I, I did really well in physics. <laughs> I had a really good grasp on physics pretty immediately. Um, but I didn't really have an immediate use for it. Like I, I could do kind of math tricks to determine, you know, if I threw this ball or rolled it down this little hill that it would land in a cup uh, that was whatever, 3.2 meters away. That was as far as the physics actually was useful to me. But now that I'm, you know, in my career, I have the opportunity to use physics to do things like animations with more fluidity, right? Uh, and, and that training, some of that stuff is coming back to me. For example, you know, kinematic functions. I know that that is a thing <laughs> sure. because I That's learned about word, it, right? For sure. <laughs> I have at least some context because I learned something that was, you know, relatively obscured away. And it's not just, you know, math and sciences. It's also things like uh, philosophy, right? Philosophy certainly comes into play on this podcast, as I said earlier, with the, uh, with the waves and the ocean, that quote. But even beyond that, just looking at the way that you do your job and informing the way uh, that you choose to look at a particular problem. And there's so many different things that inform how we solve problems, even in computer science, that aren't related to computer science at all. Yeah, and, and let's not discount the fact that you have to send lots of emails. You have to talk to lots of people. There are communication skills. There are yeah. certainly um, group skills. There are mm -hmm. English courses. There, there are all these other things that factor into your day-to-day -day that you don't even consider, right? Yeah. It's very easy to only look at my CPSC classes and make that judgment call based off those solely. Mm -hmm. But there are so many other things that I experienced in college that affect my day-to-day work interactions yeah yeah definitely yeah i've experienced the same and and i think that it's really important for you know the computer science community or the especially the web development community but even software development in large uh to to be considerate of the wide range of ways that people learn right because it's very easy for us to discount well really anything right we can easily discount a seven-week learning program as easily as we can discount a CS degree and say both are irrelevant to something. But th that's not true, right? In either case, there's probably something relevant as long as it's not like, you know, some unqualified person who doesn't know what they're talking about telling lies. Uh, a lot of the time, you're going to get something, even if it's just you know, going on YouTube and seeing how somebody solves a problem. That kind of context is so important in this industry. Um, so, you know, and it's also, we also have this kind of wrong way of looking at it that it's either or, right? And you started to allude to this earlier, but it's not just college and then I'm done, right? If you choose to go to college and you get a four-year degree and you invest that time and you invest that money, and then you turn around and you feel like you've lost that time and money, well, guess what? You still have the option of going through those seven-week courses. That's totally, uh, you know, it's within the realm of possibility for you, right? Um, and no matter what somebody tells you, four years, I wouldn't say four years is that long. What do you think about that? Oh, definitely on after it's over, it doesn't seem like that long. <laughs> Maybe two semesters in, it was feeling pretty lengthy. Right. Yeah. That's usually why people say avoid going to school because, you know, it's better to get into the industry early. But the, the big jump between 18 or 19 years old and 22 and 23 years old, it's, it's not that big, right? No, yeah. And frankly, 
through experiences, both good and incredibly frustrating, just being going to a four-year institution, absolutely that stuff affects, um, and I think positively, again, the interactions I have now. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, you wouldn't have wanted to talk to me when I was an 18-year-old <laughs> or a 19-year-old. <laughs> you wouldn't have wanted to hire 19-year-old me. And, uh, and, and so, I, yeah, people are in a hurry to get places, and sometimes it's nice to just you know, to, to take your time and, and not, not be so scared of the time it takes. Right. I mean, yeah. if that's the, if that's the best thing for you, you should do it. But I, I want to real quick, there's like a caveat to all of this, right. which is that you're not going to walk out of a single one of these programs and be any good unless you're, uh, unless you're motivated to learn. That's the reality. Like mm-hmm. four years, just because I endured four years of school, did not make me a good developer. And just because I endure some intensive program for however many weeks or months doesn't make me a good developer, okay? Mm-hmm. Me wanting to learn, me being up for the challenge, um, you know, frankly, I believe I would have succeeded in either program mm-hmm. because that's the mentality I was going in there with. And so I, I think that it, it, me personally, it's more of the attitude of the person taking the program than it is the actual program. Sure. I've mentioned this on the show before. Uh, I have a master's degree in in digital media, and I view that master's degree as kind of a katahdin. I'm looking back now, I realize that that I I set out to get the master's degree. Now I, I realize, you know, some people would disagree with that strategy, but it was something that I wanted. It was an achievement that I was going after uh, was to hold that master's degree because I, I knew it it signifies something, right? Um, and it signified something to me, and so I was. Something I'm proud of, certainly. And I think that this is another, you know, aspect of college is if you want to go to college, that is something to consider, right? (laughs) Right. There's there's nothing wrong with you wanting to go and have a college experience, if you want to call it that. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to say, hey, I went to this college. And and that is a perfectly valid reason to go to college. This is something that we mentioned uh, on the show with Nick and Cody as well. And that is, you know, we have multiple reasons for going to college. It's not just, is it going to make me a better developer or not? It's, is it something that I want to do in life or not? Completely. Totally valid reason to go to college. I actually nearly stopped going to college. And really, one of the only things that kept me in was just pride. I didn't want yeah. to, I didn't want to quit. And, right. and it wasn't because I had to have this degree. Uh, I mean, I changed my major three times. Um, but there was, there was kind of this, yeah, I wanted to accomplish that. I wanted to walk across the stage. I wanted to have the picture and I wanted to have the diploma. And that was a really large component of it. It wasn't just, you know, I want to be smarter. Right. (laughs) So that's something that like to use a completely different, uh, field of life, I guess that's, that's how I work out actually. So like I walk into the gym and I have really specific goals for the things that I want to accomplish that day. For example, if I walk in and I tell myself that I want to run, I, I want to run a mile and a half or two miles that day or whatever number it is. I'm sure some of you run five miles a day. I don't do that. But sure <laughs> if I, yeah, exactly. I anyway, uh, if I if I go in thinking I want to run a mile and a half or two miles, I'm going to be disappointed in myself in some ways that I didn't own up to my own standard for the day. And if I walk in with no goals, then there's no level of disappointment, right? Like there's no negative reinforcement whatsoever when I don't work out as hard as I wanted to, right? 
So I think that that kind of perspective is important. Of course, it can also be placed in the wrong direction, right? Like, for example, if I set a goal uh, that was either way too low, like if I say I only want to run a mile today, but in reality, I have the ability to run three today. Uh, or if I say something way too high, right? Like if, if I say I want to try squatting 400 pounds today, you got, I'm giving you guys kind of an idea of my level of, <laughs> of physical fitness. But if I say that I want to squat, you know, 400 pounds today and really I can only squat like 300, I might get hurt, right? There's potential negative consequences to overreaching. Uh, if I say that I want to work a 60 hour work week, but I really only have, you know, 40 hours in me this week, then that 20 hours could be burned, right? It could Absolutely. be really bad for me. So all of that to say, there's not a really good, um, you know, there's not a really good framework for this, right? Sure. We all have to kind of understand these different pieces and parts of the puzzle for each of us uh, individually and be aware of when we are burning out and when we are, you know, overreaching and then what is realistic for us. I concur. So I like to ask all of my uh, guests two questions at the end of uh of an interview. The first question is, what question would you like to be asked more often? You know, I've been asking you questions and in reality, I never really asked you what you would like to be asked. Uh, and I think this is a really important question for, for interviewers to ask. Okay. So I'll tell you, but I don't actually have time to answer it because I, I assume that you're going to then maybe ask me the question. <laughs> um, but I, I actually enjoy talking about my weight loss story. It's, uh, I think that uh, there's a, I learned a lot about um, setting goals, uh, establishing vision, reinforcing vision, um, you know, challenges and carrying through with something. And, and, and all that kind of feeds into, into the ultimate like Katahdin mm -hmm. uh, story. That, that's where it's kind of derived from. But but I, I think that any opportunity I get to sit down and kind of have that conversation with someone, I, I enjoy having that conversation. You know, it's a big point of pride for me in my life that, that I was able to accomplish that. And so that's what I enjoy talking about. It's sure. just such a big subject. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we can cover that on this, but I would be definitely interested in talking, talking to you about it. Uh, and if, if you guys actually, the listeners of the show, if you want to hear that story, uh, I could ask Patrick back on uh, to the show to talk about that. We would probably, you know, frame that around the idea of, of self-discipline and all of those things that go along with that. Uh, incredible story. I've heard parts and pieces of it just being around Patrick, and uh, I think it's a valuable story for anyone to hear, but especially Patrick being a developer, uh, being able to relate the, that story to his, you know, first of all, his day-to-day -day work, right? So it's, it's kind of hard to, to keep, you know, health at the forefront of a priority list when you're sitting most of the day, like if that's, that is our job. Yeah. We sit in a chair for eight hours right? and then we go to lunch with a client. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, we code all night. And so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's kind of a big subject. And so, yeah, that's a huge, a huge accomplishment. And, uh, if you guys would like to hear that story from Patrick, uh, reach out, let me know. Um, and I'm, I might invite Patrick back on to, to talk about, I might just do it anyway. Thank you. Maybe, you know, I, <laughs> I really might just do it anyway, uh, because I think it's such a cool story. So, uh, and then the second question that I like to ask, and this one's should be a little bit easier and, uh, you should be able to answer this one fully, but, uh, 
if you had just 30 seconds to sit down with a developer, regardless of their experience level, what advice would you give them? Well, use Google. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Uh, I would say, um, again, I think it's what I said earlier, that I would take every opportunity to teach someone else. I think that for me, that's been my, my, always the times where I've learned the most is when I've had to uh, explain a concept and that, that that's reinforced things for myself. And and on top of that, you're also giving back to the community you're a part of. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of this win-win all the way around. So I would, you know, it's very, so in other words, I'm encouraging constant learning, but through teaching. (laughs) So that, that, that's what I would say to you. Yeah, for sure. I, I can definitely echo that. I think that's a really important part of progressing and, and the concept of mentoring and, uh, you know, investing in helping another person. There's so much that you can learn about that, both, you know, objectively about programming and about um, actually doing that work, but also as a human, you learn a lot about uh uh, about communication skills, you know, and, and about, you know, dealing with another person and learning about their motivations and their desires. And uh, those all are really important skills to have just as a human being. So I, I totally, totally agree with you on that. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Patrick, for, for taking some time and, uh, and talking to me and yeah, all absolutely. the people who are listening to the show. Hey, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I've enjoyed it. What's your Twitter handle so they can go and barrage you with tweets? I feel like you did this on purpose. I don't actually have Twitter, so <laughs> I'll tell you where you can find me. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at the Great Patsby with two A's. Because of my love of film, you can find me on Letterboxd at P Hill PhD. I like to keep my uh, my watched movie list for this year up, and then of course any of the at M of One podcast. So there's Twitter and there's Facebook and of course the website M of One Podcast dot com. You can find me all over that stuff. And M of One is also on iTunes. Is it on any other It's on iTunes and Stitcher. Cool. So Great. All right. Thank you so much, Patrick. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Developer T. I appreciate each and every moment that you spend with me here on the show. I don't take you for granted. The audience is what makes this show what it is. So thank you so much uh, for listening to this episode. If you or someone you know is looking for a job as a designer or a developer, go and check out today's sponsor, Hired.com. Incredible opportunities from over 2,500 companies offering salary and equity, uh, both contract and full-time, just so many opportunities there. Make sure you use the special link, Hired.com slash T, which will actually double your signing bonus uh, if you do end up getting a job through Hired. And don't forget that Hired also gives out a referral bonus if you refer somebody else. So refer them to Hired.com slash T. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And until next time, enjoy your tea.